Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com with episode 55 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast. I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Crawford, and Irish Breakdown publisher Brian Driscoll to talk about Syracuse and Notre Dame. We appreciate Brian joining us to give us insight from the Irish perspective. Brian, how are you doing today? Well, I'm a little nervous now. I mean, I'm with the man, the myth, the legend. How am I? How am I going to live up to that? Like, that's very hard. A pretty high bar. I, it I'm it is very hard. Now. I'm a little nervous now. I fall short of that bar every episode, <laughs> but you know, we uh, we're lucky to be in Josh's presence. Josh, how are you doing? Man, just over here being a good pick. That's all I can do. <laughs> that's all you can do, man. And, well, as you know, it's a uh, it's a trio. You know, Mike is where you we came from. So I'm I'm feeling a little Horace Grandish today. So I'm in the the president of, you know, two verified people on Twitter. I can't get a blue check, but I'm sit back. I'm, I'm here to sit back, learn some game, and uh, learn a lot about a Notre Dame team that, you know, has a – I'm, I'm interested in learning about because it's a team that had very high expectations going in and hasn't, you know, lived up to what it, we, I think a lot of people thought it was going yeah. We'll let uh, the listeners determine whether Brian or I is Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. They can figure, <laughs> they can figure all that out themselves, but – Brian, I, I kind of wanted to start there with where Josh was, which is, you know, coming into the season, Syracuse fans had this game circled on the calendar because obviously Notre Dame, Blue Blood, name brand program. That's uh, the first time they've been to the Dome in almost 20 years. So it's obviously a big deal in central New York to have the Irish coming in. I think the expectation was that they were going to be a top 10 type of, of team coming into this matchup. They obviously aren't. Uh, they've lost three games, two of which were very surprising, but they also have some very impressive wins, uh, such as uh, a dominant win at North Carolina, uh, beating up a BYU team that people thought was pretty good coming into the season. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. What's been the, the biggest issue with Notre Dame with the ups and downs and the struggles they've had so far? Just finishing. I mean, that's really been the frustrating thing. It's, you know, you can talk about lack of execution. You can, you know, you can point to a whole lot of different things, but it's about finishing. I mean, you're talking about a team that's four and three and been incredibly disappointing, but it's also a team that had a fourth quarter lead over Marshall, had a chance with the ball, had a wide open receiver running down the field for a chance for an easy touchdown and just missed them. 
you know, just read it wrong. And then, of course, Marshall gets the ball back. They convert a third nine, backed up inside their own 10, go down and score and put the game away with a pick six to drive later. So you have a fourth quarter lead, turns into a loss to Marshall. Same thing against Stanford. You know, you go down, you hit a post route to Tobias Merriweather, you go up 14-13, defense give the ball right back. Offense drives down and scores and fumbles it in, in Stanford territory. It's just been stuff like that all year. I mean, even the Ohio State game, Notre Dame lost by 11. Notre Dame led in that game longer than Ohio State led in that game. They had a 10-7 to 7 lead. I think it was like about 40 seconds left in the third quarter before Ohio State finally scored to go up. And Notre Dame missed like two or three different opportunities where they had chances to score to go up 10 in Columbus. And then that team a week later gets outplayed for really 60 minutes by Marshall. You know, a team that just dominates North Carolina. They're up 38-14 at one point in time, and the game was not – you watched it. It wasn't nearly as close as the final score showed. They were up on BYU at 25-6 to at one point in time, and then they just – this little silly play here, you give up a draw in third and 17 when they're backed up in their own territory. And it's just – it's been stuff like that where you're like, how does this team do that? Lack of execution, you know, just the, the an offense that misses opportunity after opportunity after opportunity – and they're just not a real sharp football team is really what it comes down to, fellas, is, you know, the talent's there, but then it's inconsistent. One week Isaiah Foskey looks unblockable, the next week you don't even see him. You know, and, and that's been the frustrating thing about this team. The only consistent presence we've seen all year is Michael Mayer. But then again, you know, he can only do so much because he can't throw himself the football. So it's it's been frustrating. It's been maddening. But you can see it, and you're just waiting on it to kind of all start to finally click. And you hope that it's going to happen now because, you know, this stretch against Syracuse and ironically, that's a game that Irish breakdown we've had circled on the calendar for a while too. We looked at this as a trap game because you've got Clemson coming up. You just played Stanford and we, we, I actually, we do like an all opponent team coming into the year. So we look at their names opponents. I had three Syracuse kids on my first team. I had Michael Jones, I had Garrett Williams and I had Matthew Bergeron. And we talk about, this is a really good defense we argued that this was going to be the best secondary that Notre Dame was going to face all year in the preseason. So it was that game like, man, I hope they don't overlook Syracuse, you know, getting ready to go play Clemson. Now it's like you wonder, you know, Syracuse is, are they going to have a letdown now playing unranked Notre Dame after battling Clemson? So it's, it's funny how those things change, but you just hope that for Notre Dame's perspective, you hope that the light just goes on and you're going to need it because you've got Syracuse, Clemson and USC all coming up over the next five games. That, that's a, a brutal stretch. I know Syracuse fans were looking at the stretch they're in right now, playing Clemson last week, Notre Dame this week. They've got games against Florida State and Pittsburgh coming up, and, and we're looking at that as a brutal stretch. And yet that Notre Dame stretch is, is actually, with where things stand right now in terms of rankings and whatnot, probably viewed as, as much more difficult. So it, interesting, as you said, how that plays out. Michael Mayer, for those unfamiliar I guess you must not be a huge college football fan. He is, he is, uh, Notre Dame has quite the lineage of some unbelievable tight ends, right? They've just had tremendous tight ends in their history. Um, one, one of the best programs in the country at producing tight ends and Michael Mayer might be the best one they've ever had. He's that talented. He's going to be a first round NFL draft pick. He's going to be a superstar at the next level. I think, um, Josh, it's going to be tough for Syracuse to defend him. I'm curious if you have any any thoughts on how they might try to do that to contain him a little bit. Because we know there's been some teams with tight ends that aren't on his level but have had success against Syracuse so far this season. I mean, that's one of the, the biggest things that, you know, we've seen with this SU defense, uh, you know, in a multitude of different ways in terms of, yes, tight ends doing damage over the field in terms of whether it be 
you know, some of the UVA big body options with uh, Keaton Thompson, Dante Evan Wicks, or Peyton Durham. Um, not a well-known guy, but you know, eight catches for 97 yards and a touchdown will will do you that. So, um, you know, we talk about a lot of the good aspects of this issue defense. Like you said, you and Brian have talked about, and hey, we think this, we all think this is probably a top ten, top top ten, top fifteen defense. The one weakness you will probably have is physicality at the safety position. You're talking about JB, who is coming off the uh, coming from the offensive side of the ball. Ain't talking about a guy in Cinco that you know, I, I, he is a great tackler, but you're not. He's just not going to bring the boom the way a guy is going to be. You know, two five, two ten. So they do struggle with physicality running up those seams. You know, that's what Michael Mayer brings. You know, he's probably one of the most difficult guys, not named Brock Bowers, to control within the 10 to 20 yard area of the field. So, like you said, we saw Peyton Durham, again, another guy that we talked a lot about going into the Purdue game, really do some damage. So, talking about Notre Dame, it's not a lot that you have going work with offensively clicking right now. But It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer Bratwurst, Jalapeno Cheddar Sausage, Kabasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. And I want to talk to you, Brian. How, how, I, you know, I threw it in the bonus question. How big of an impact can Michael Mayer have being the special talent that he is and as you, you know, being susceptible to big tight end performances? Well, it depends on how he's used. I mean, I, I would say if you're going to like compare his style, he's closer to Peyton Durham and style than he is to Brock Bowers. You know, Brock Bowers and and Mike and Michael Mayer are two completely different players. Brock Bowers, like a big wide receiver. Michael Mayer's a throwback tight end. You know, six five, you know, two sixty, two sixty five. Not the dominant blocker that some other guys have been, but when you talk about that tight end lineage, he's already set the program's record and and receptions he's second all time in yards he's tied for first and touchdowns and he's only a junior a true junior so I mean it really just depends on how Notre Dame utilizes it one of the frustrating things for me this season is that every team that they've played has sort of had a Michael Mayer plan you know and, and they've done different things the only team that didn't was North Carolina and he ripped them up you know but BYU had a Michael Mayer plan they just couldn't cover him you know and Drew Pine was just you know throwing balls high and he would go up and make plays on it but what Notre Dame has not done a good enough job, guys, in my opinion this year, is knowing that teams are going to have a plan and then having their own plan to counter it. We just haven't seen a lot of that. We've seen it a couple times, you know. So, like, they ran a, a 12 personnel look against Stanford where, you know, they, they go 12 personnel. They got Michael Mayer sort of to the trip side, a tight end backside, and they run Michael Mayer on like a sort of like a backside over route. He, walk, he runs right across in the safety, safety bites, and they've got one-on-one -on -one of the field. They bang a post route for a touchdown behind it to Tobias Merriweather for, and you're like, Hey, there you go. But they just don't do that very often. They don't do a lot of things saying, Hey, in this look, we know they're going to bracket him this way. So let's do something behind it or, or to the opposite side of it to try to open something up. They just haven't really been creative that way. And that's been one of the frustrating things with this offense is they just keep trying to force feed him the ball. And, you know, so his numbers have been great, but if you look at the number of times he's been targeted, you're like, well, yeah, and the guy should catch a lot of balls when when you consider how often they target him. That's not his fault. It's just there's a lot of times, like they had a play last week, fellas, and it was a third thing, like a third and six. It was a drive. They settled for a field goal. And you drop back. The cut, the pre-snap look should have had the quarterback going to the trip side to the right. Instead, he just drops back and he looks right at Michael Mayer. So as, as I'm watching him stare at Michael Mayer, Braden Lindsay's running down the field and no one covers him. I mean, nobody covers him, and he never sees it because he just was so locked in on Michael Mayer. And that's happened a lot this year. And so 
it didn't happen with with Tyler Buckner, but it's definitely been an issue with, with with Drew Pine. And so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you've got to do more schematically with your quarterback to take advantage of the fact that Syracuse is going to bracket him. Because the interesting thing about this matchup is, you know, what what we feel about watching Syracuse, and you guys correct me if, if you disagree, you talk about Syracuse's guys not being really good tacklers. The thing we've said is what I really like about the second – or not tacklers, but um, what was it that you said, Mike? Like, it's not Physicality. Huge. Yeah, like super huge guys. Right. Not like, the, thing, you know. the thing we like about them is that I think – I liked the secondary a lot coming in. We said it's arguably the best secondary Notre Dame is, is going to face. Our tune has changed, and it is is the best secondary. And the primary reason is the safeties are so much better in coverage this year than they were last year. Like Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams are always really good in coverage, right? And but the safeties are the kids you got from Rutgers is really good in coverage. You know, Jihad Carter is a really good cover guy. And so I think that gives you some opportunities against Michael Mayer that other teams haven't tried to haven't been able to do. They've tried to put linebackers on them. So I think if you're Syracuse, what you do is you you don't have a lot of length to your point about the physicality. And it's you're not real long. Like Michael Jones is, I mean, I don't know even know if he's the six one that he's listed as. Right. But he can run. So I think if you're Syracuse, what you do is you you want to try to high-low them. You want to try to get your linebackers underneath them and your safeties on top of them and basically say, Notre Dame, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us with someone not named Michael Mayer. Make them beat us with Brayden Lindsay or Lorenzo Styles or somebody else, but you're not going to beat us with 87. And if they do that, then I think that increases your chances to win because Notre Dame hasn't proven that they can beat you with someone not named Michael Mayer. And that's going to be the key. And you know, whether or not Drew Pine's able to find those guys or not, we'll see. But if you're Syracuse, you're one of the few teams that has the talent to just say, Deuce, you cover that dude. Garrett, you cover that dude. And we'll, we'll have everybody else worry about Michael Mayer and the running backs. Yeah, and one there of the teams that can do that. And, you know, you mentioned one of some of the other guys and, and trying to force some of the other guys to be to to beat you. And one of the things I was curious about in going into this game is Notre Dame's rushing attack. Because Syracuse gave up almost 300 yards on the ground to Clemson last year. And even though I wouldn't say that their run defense has been poor this year overall, it's been pretty good, but there have been times where they have been hurt by teams running the ball. UConn ran the ball pretty well against Syracuse, which I don't think a lot of people would have expected. Um, and Purdue has some success. Virginia had a little bit of success and Clemson had a ton of it. I'm sure obviously Notre Dame is going to see that and, and try to take advantage of that. So from a Notre Dame perspective, how what is the status of the running game right now? I know they've got three backs with a bunch of carries. Um, are they all going to rotate in and out? Is there a guy that's that sort of emerges as a primary guy? And how much are they going to rely on that going into this game? Well, they're definitely going to rely on it a lot. I mean, you're talking about a team that's ran for at least 228 yards in three of their last four games. You know, they're, they're, they rely on it. It's been a perplexing ground attack, really, because, you know, the first couple games, they didn't really run well. And you have a new offensive line coach and some guys have moved around. You have two true sophomores at tackle and they just weren't on the same page. You know, you're watching them do combo blocks and they're getting off late or they're getting off too early and they're just not able to finish off runs. And about about late in the second quarter and then into the third quarter against Cal, it, like the light kind of went on and they started to figure it out. And they've been a pretty good running team ever since. And even even the 150 yards against Stanford, if you look, if you go watch the game, you're like, that's not actually bad because they're going to get seven yard runs with six dudes blocking nine. I mean, they're just pushing them off the ball. And Notre Dame's run game is just kind of run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle. Like there's very few outside zone calls. There's no buck sweeps. There's just nothing really the perimeter like the occasional jet sweep. Yeah, when we've talked Sarah's about good. that, like 
like last year, Syracuse, like you go pop in Sean Tucker's highlight tape and it's like the first five, six touchdowns are all outside zone, outside zone. And Syracuse kind of gone away from that. You know, Notre Dame was a heavy outside zone team in the past as well. And now they're just kind of duo, duo, counter, duo. And it just, it, there's no creativity. Teams are able to outnumber them in the box. And they're still able to have success because they've got a really big and really good offensive line. And they've got three really talented backs. You hope that they kind of get a little bit, I don't say creative, more diverse is the word I like to use. And just mix it up. Have your inside zone, your duo, and your counter be mixed up by a, an outside zone and a, or, you know, a stretch and a, and a buck sweep type of concept. You don't need a ton of stuff. Just, you know, make them have to adjust their eye levels. And, and they just don't do that a lot. But yet they're still able to go out there and run for – you know, over 230 on BYU. They're able to run for almost 300 against North Carolina. That was one of the most balanced games I've ever seen. They had 289 rushing yards, 289, 289 passing yards, 289, uh, 287 rushing yards, but that's because they took two yards off at the end when they took a knee. They would have had literally 289 in both. I mean, so, and then of course, last week against UNLV, they ran for over 200 yards. And we saw Logan Diggs emerge as the lead guy in that game. He had 28 carries for 130 yards, but, you know, Audrick Estimates had 100-yard games so far this year. Chris Tyrese had two games with over 100 all-purpose yards. It just depends on whether they can get all three of those guys involved. Uh, Audrick Estimates got to hold on to the ball a little bit better. That's kind of why Logan Diggs took over last week. He had his second fumble in two games uh, last week against UNLV, so I think it's a big part of why we saw so much Audrick, uh, Logan Diggs down the stretch. But Notre Dame's, in my opinion, has one of the five to seven best backfields in the country. It's just they're not always used properly. You watch them against Cal in, in uh, North Carolina, and they're running for a lot of yards, but they're also – they had back-to-back games where the backs had over 80 combined receiving yards. They've gone away from that. And I think that's something where, you know, you you need to see that against Syracuse. I think that's an area where they can have some success is kind of running some running back tight end co- high-low com- combos uh, to try to get guys in space. I think those are some areas where I think Notre Dame should be able to have some success. Uh, to try to maybe spread Syracuse out and get their linebackers chasing something other than just king on the red zone uh, run game. Because if if Michael Jones and and if Marlo Wax and McKinney can just kind of like key on the run game and just fly downhill, this is a hard team to run on. And that's going to be the key for Notre Dame is you've got to get them thinking this way a little bit, not just this way. And we haven't seen Notre Dame do that a lot. They're just kind of bullying people. And I think that this, and that's what they'll try. That's what Clemson did, guys. I mean, we saw it last week. It's a, it's a very small Syracuse front seven, and Clemson just leaned on them and leaned on them and leaned on them. And eventually, in the fourth quarter, just kind of, okay, you wore them down, and that's when you started ripping off some of the bigger runs. And Notre Dame's going to try to do a very, very similar thing this weekend. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's shocking that Notre Dame has a bunch of big. I know potential right? <laughs> NFL offensive lineman. Shocking. shocking. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Uh, I want to flip to the other side of the ball here. And uh, this is something that, that I find interesting. And I've, you know, I've watched some um, national people, CBS, ESPN, et cetera, that, that have talked about this game. And um, one of the advantages that they see for Syracuse is Garrett Schrader's ability to make plays with his legs, because that has been an area where Notre Dame has struggled this year is containing dual threat quarterbacks. That's been the narrative anyway, from, from a national perspective, um, from a, you know, beat writer in and out, know the team, seen every snap of every game perspective, as you have, how do you expect Notre Dame to try to defend Garrett Schrader and, and the mobile quarterback? Will they spy him? You know, what, what are the types of strategies you see Notre Dame utilizing from that perspective? 
I doubt they spy him. I mean, you know, it, it's funny how those narratives ex- exist sometimes. And at times it's true. I mean, they, they did have some problems containing mobile quarterbacks at times in the past and at times this year. And then other times they've done a pretty good job. I mean, you know, Drake may, who I, who I view as a, a similar player to Garrett Schrader from as a scrambler. Now North Carolina doesn't do the designed runs with Drake may that Syracuse does with Garrett Schrader, but he's a really good scrambler. You know, he he comes out the first series, North Carolina goes right down the field. He has 33 scramble yards, and they shut him down after that and held that North Carolina run game, which is like 200 a game every week, to I think it was like 66 yards on the ground. And then the week before, you know, the week before, you're watching Jack Plummer, who's hardly a, you know, going to be confused for Garrett Schrader and Jaron Hall and, and Drake May scrambling for big plays. You're like, what is going on here? How do you shut down Jaron Hall at BYU? And how do you keep Drake May contained as a runner? And you're giving up scrambles to Jack Plummer. So it, it's it's it leads to just the, the constant frustration with this team. And it really comes down to discipline. When they're disciplined up front, they're, they're productive. I don't think you're going to see them use a spy. What they do with their linebacker, uh, with mobile quarterbacks is they'll just stun them and try to eat up the gaps, right? And if he can get free from for a blitz, then he'll get free for a blitz. But if not, you're at least eating up the gaps. And when Notre Dame has gotten trouble with scramblers, it's when they lose gap control or, you know, pass rush lanes. And so, for example, one of the, the big runs that Jack Plummer had against, you know, for Cal, I mean, any quarterback in the country could have made that play because the D tackle rushes the B gap and he gets, he gets to the quarterback level and he just keeps going. And the quarterback steps right in and out and he's gone. It's easy. I mean, any quarterback can do that. What they did against Drake May is they did a much better job of once you, you know, you get your arm in there, you kind of ride him back. And if you get to a point where like, okay, I'm not getting off this, you stay, you, you, you control your, your lane. You can't go past the quarterback if you're an interior guy, you know? So it's just those type of things. And when they've done a good job of being disciplined in that regard, and then letting the linebackers kind of run to the ball, they've been able to keep some of those guys in check. And so we've seen them have some good performances against mobile quarterbacks when they lose when they lose contain and they use, lose discipline and they get in trouble. So I don't think you'll see them stray too far away from uh, the plan they've always had, which, you know, again, third down stunts, try to eat up gaps, try to make sure there's no run lanes for him to get through. Because I think if you're Notre Dame, the the one thing you don't want Garrett Schrader to do is take off running, either as a designed runner, which you know you can't do anything about that except defend it, or it scrambles. Uh, what you don't want him to, what you do want him to do with your Notre Dame is sit in the pocket. I mean, Garrett Schrader's got to prove to me, just like we said, I'm going to make somebody else beat me. I'm not letting Sean Tucker beat me, Garrett, and I'm not letting Garrett Schrader with his legs beat me. I'm going to make Garrett Schrader beat me sitting in the pocket, reading our defense and getting the ball out. You know, that's where I think Notre Dame should try to have success. And that's what you got to do, right? When you play a good team, you got to take something away and make them beat you with what's not their strength. And what's the strength of this team is when Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader get running with their legs. Where I don't think Syracuse has proven they can really rip a team up is with Garrett Schrader just sitting in the pocket for 60 minutes and picking them apart. So I think that's what you're going to see Notre Dame do uh, is more of that gap contained, keeping them in the pocket. Then you'll see them spy or, you know, bring six or seven guys, things like that. Yeah, Josh, uh, I I wanted you to to break down from the Syracuse perspective, getting Sean Tucker more involved, because we know that was a big storyline last week with only five carries against Clemson. I can't imagine that's going to be the thing this year. But um, from your perspective, how does Syracuse make sure that Sean Tucker touches the ball more and that he can be effective so it can keep the Syracuse offense moving? Um, you know, again, I don't want to, I'm probably, this is too far. I'll, I'll talk, touch on Brian and, you know, some offensive consistency for Notre Dame, but you have to get Sean, you know, you got to take a lot of the zone read, the read offs, you got to take away ability, Garrett's ability to keep the ball. You know, it's a thing to where, you know, Charles Barkley said it best. 
just because the players call for you doesn't mean that you're the one that has to score. So if the read, even there, there, there being a read where you know it's a it's a give read for to Sean, or just running pure outside zone, which is not illegal. I don't know Robert or not feels the need. He can only run uh, okay, the ball so, outside of the tackles with options. So, so what you're saying is, Josh, they did not, not outlaw outside zone. Oh, I don't having know the why same our, we're having. Our team like, has wait, wait, this. So this, this is, is a rule that didn't in the offseason. They didn't implement. Hey guys, no more outside zone. So you are still allowed to run that. Who knew? Is only in Central New York and South Bend, apparently. Apparently, Actually, no. I'm sorry, so. Josh, but hearing you say that, I'm like, man, is this me talking? We no, thing all here, man. It's, it's been a, a bone of contention with Syracuse fans all season. Is is <laughs> all of the Sean Tucker runs have been kind of dives up the middle? Yeah. No, it's you know, uh, you know, Mike Big Mike knows how much of a fan. I'm not a fan. I am of Garrett Schrader, but even with him, it's like once he gets on the edge, he's a big body guy. He can make you know guys on the perimeter corners and linebackers. Like he's not an easy dude to tackle. But they just love to run you know Sean Tucker into A to A. Like I'm like my boy Vitarello is definitely tired. But if you're talking about how you want to get Sean the right type of ribs, we just we all just had a nice little you know chat about it. Getting him outside the tackles, get him in space. You know, this is a guy that we thought could you know have a highs and by his name and for a reason. You know, even in the in the best, I think the best play we've seen from him is that Louisville play. Um, I think Louisville, whatever the the, the screen play that he, he took for a touchdown. That was know, seeing operate in space, you know, making a man miss and getting opportunities to get out in open field, and we just haven't seen enough of it either. Gary Schrader calling Gary Schrader's number or the play that's on my Robert and I and Babers to, you know, just simply as, um you know, ND has, you know, only run 8-8. So it's definitely been frustrating, and I'm not super sure that it'll be corrected in this game. But hypothetically, you know, if we're talking about what should happen, we got we to gotta get Sean more outside from C to D and get him in off of the rim. Yeah, and right. uh, before we get to uh, to predictions here, just to, to kind of piggyback off of that, throw a dang screen pass. Like week one, they threw a screen pass. They did the next couple of weeks as well. And um, I know there was one that that uh, Tucker dropped, but they were set up well. He had a 55-yard touchdown on it. And then they basically said, well, that worked. So let's not do it again. No, thanks. I mean, it, they probably so, did a lot in fall camp. For I know they time. did. And that was a huge <laughs> thing about getting Sean Tucker more involved as a receiver. They did that. And then while they're still giving him targets, it's been more wheel routes and swing passes out of the backfield instead of a traditional screen pass. And I think they have an opportunity to to run a traditional screen and try to get him out in space, as you said. It, but it, no, just, my, oh, no, I definitely just oh, – my bad. Go ahead, man. This is your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would love it to you because, you know, talking about some of the offense consistency, you know, seems like that's been a big thing with, you know, y'all's, uh, y'all's downfall. Obviously, that was a big thing that got exposed for us for Clemson. Um, what has been the biggest thing for y'all? What has been the biggest culprit for y'all's lack of offensive consistency? I tend to lay it at the feet of Gary Schrader for SU. Mike, it tends to be a little bit more softer, give it a little milder, different things. You know, y'all have a lot of different components that are new. You know, a new head coach, a quarterback that didn't think he was going to be starting. And like you said, I would, you know, a lack of threatening weapons outside of Michael Mayer. So from your perspective, what is the biggest thing that lack the lack of consistency and the lack of finishing, you know, that's been the biggest downfall? It sounds like I was kind of laughing when you guys were talking. It's like, good Lord, I feel like they're repeating the show we've done like every week at Notre Dame. It's like you've got Chris Tyree, the, one of the most explosive players in the country, and all you're doing is running them on A-gap runs. You know, you're just running duo with them every every single snap, you know, and it's it's just uh, – it's been maddening. So it's, it's not so much that Notre Dame doesn't have weapons. I mean, go watch the Fiesta Bowl 
and watch Lorenzo Styles rip up Oklahoma State and Chris Tyree go for 100 yards and tell me Notre Dame doesn't have weapons. Go watch Braden Lindsey in 2019 rip off. I think five. He had 20, 25 touches. Five of them went for at least 50 yards. You know, and then and then talk to me about it's the how they're being used and and I think that's been an issue. I know how they recruit. Some, they they have weapons. Right. Right. It, exactly. And and it's just okay. Tobias Merriweather who who you know beat Stanford for 41 yard touchdown. Guess what, guys? That was the first time all year he'd been targeted. First time all wow. year that season he'd been targeted. Top hundred receiver coming out of high school, and you're well, we don't have weapons. I'm like, yeah, you do. They're standing over the sidelines, you know, with the other coaches, and that's been a big frustrating thing for me. It's it's kind of like Robert and I is saying, this is my system, and I'm going to run my system, and that's what Tom Reese has done, you know. And you talk about you know how was Clemson able to do? It? Clemson basically said we're going to take Sean Tucker out because you're running a bunch of read stuff, and we're going to key on him and force Garrett Schrader to beat us, and he couldn't. And that's kind of what teams have done to Notre Dame too. Is like we're going to make somebody other than Michael Mayer beat us, and Notre Dame hasn't been able to push the right buttons to do that. So let's uh, let's get to predictions before we wrap this episode up. We'll start with you, Josh. Who wins and why? Um, you know, coming to the season, like you said, it's been a, a flip of the narrative from you know a top five thing in Notre Dame and being it's probably still the hardest ticket to get this season. But it definitely, you know, ESPN and all the wonderful sports betting sites say the issue is favored. Um, I like my money, and I, I'm thinking I'm a pretty smart guy. But Michael Mayer, I think he have a big game. I think that could be a problem. So I'll say – I say issue by touchdown, just the way that Brian talked about the offense, I want to go field goal because I think he could really have a big day. Because, like, if, he, if he's a guy that's been having big days with defenses consistently targeting him, that could spell a little bit of trouble. Because Cinco and JB are going to get bigger overnight. So I say it's between the touchdown and the field goal for issue. All right, Brian. You know, I told you guys before, I kind of do a what should happen as opposed to necessarily what will happen. Cause I'm, if I could tell you what was going to happen, I'd be very, very rich and I probably wouldn't <laughs> be working. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me, guys, it's, it's Notre Dame for whatever reason has been a really good run team. They outplayed Ohio State for half the game. They dominated in North Carolina and they dominated BYU. That's their three home games or road games. Where Notre Dame has struggled is at home. I don't know why that is. I think Notre Dame's going to come out. I think we kind of see what them, see them build on last week's game be able to kind of wear down an undersized Syracuse team. And and look, Notre Dame has held every single team they've played this year to at least 6.6 .6 points below their season scoring average. I think you'll see a very similar thing here. I think Notre Dame will, in fact, get it done. I think there are some matchups that Notre Dame can do at tight end and running back. They're going to allow them to take advantage and then kind of do a little bit what Clemson did is. It's going to be a battle for three and a half quarters, and Notre Dame's going to come away with it at the end. I don't know why, fellas, but this has just been a much better team on on the road this year than they've been at home. And this is going to be their third true road game. Notre Dame doesn't play very many true road games. Uh, and they don't so have a conference. Year, well, no, it's not that. It's that Syracuse always sells out their home opportunities to go play at MetLife or wherever to make more money. And so they end up, that's what happens with a lot of places is, you know, last two times they've played at MetLife against Syracuse, that was supposed to be a Syracuse road game. And Syracuse made the choice to go play in MetLife because they can make more money that way. I was really glad that they didn't do that this time. So I can actually watch a game at the Carrier Dome. Yes, for me, it's the, always going to be the Carrier Dome. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think Notre Dame will end up in the end. I think, look, I think they have the better players top to bottom. I think at the end they, they get it done. But if Syracuse wins this game, I won't be shocked. They're a good football team. Yes, there, there's the, I mean, I don't think any outcome should shock anybody. I think, and I do agree that I think this is going to come down to the end. This is, I've got Syracuse 27-21, and this is how I see it going down. Notre Dame is driving late. They're in the red zone in the final minute. 
And it's going to come down to who executes. Does Notre Dame score a touchdown to win the game, or does Syracuse get the defense? Uh, does Syracuse defense get the stop to um, allow the the fans to storm the field? Because if they win, they're going to storm the field. That's I mean, you beat Notre Dame at home, you storm the field. Your college kids, you're uh, feeling good after some adult beverages, and you you enjoy yourself. So that's what I've got happening: twenty seven, twenty one. Syracuse and they had improved to seven and one, but that'll do it for episode 55 of the believe in Syracuse podcast for Josh Crawford and Brian Driscoll. I'm Mike McAllister and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.